of arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here, ready to praise the Lord and receive from His goodness. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge you as Lord, and we thank you for directing us, leading, guiding us in all that we do, Lord. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready to worship this morning? Let's say it together.
Consider the rock from which you were hewn. You have a firm foundation. The rock of your salvation is the Lord. He is your chief cornerstone. He will get you through every storm. He will bring you through every challenge. Because he desires victory for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a phenomenal job? Hallelujah. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. Hallelujah. And we love to speak the word. Amen. So we want to make our confession emphasizing the power of the blood. So let's make our confession together. There There is power power in the the blood blood of Jesus. Jesus. His His blood blood contains the life and the love of God. The blood of Jesus is more precious than silver and gold. For he is the unblemished and spotless Lamb of God. 
Through his blood we are forgiven, and we have been fully redeemed from sin. The blood of Jesus is a shelter of divine protection all around us, and we are kept safe from our enemy. We have faith in the blood of God's Son because it freed us from the guilt of sin. It makes us acceptable to God and grants us eternal life. Jesus, filled with the fullness of God, has reconciled us to himself, and given us peace through his blood of his cross. Through Christ's blood, we receive mercy, we are born again, and we have a living hope, and have obtained an inheritance from God. The blood of Christ, through the eternal Holy Spirit, has cleansed our consciences from dead works, and has enabled us to serve the ever-living God. We can confidently and freely enter God's throne room by the blood of Jesus. We can come before God in truth, sincerity, and confident faith. Jesus granted us access to this holy place when he died on the cross. We overcome the accusations of the devil by the blood of the Lamb and our own personal testimony. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond the walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Whew. I don't know about you, but it's hot up here. Okay. So we have opportunities for you to be our participant. And your first opportunity is to send Dr. Fiona and Pastor Doug to the Caribbean vacation. In celebration of their 20 years at VCF and 25 years together. Woo! <laughs> so we just want to be a blessing to them. So you can feel free to participate in that in whatever way the Holy Spirit leads you. Also, I can't believe it's June already. We are halfway through the year. Okay. So Air Force is attending a fire conference at the end of July. And it's in Tampa, Florida. It's going to be hot in the church and outside the church. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, so feel free to participate in that opportunity as well with Palazzo Creations. We are excited to go down, and it's with Drs. Rodney and Donica Howard-Brown. Uh, last year we went to camp meeting, and so this year we are going to a fire conference. And we are going to get the fire and bring it back here. And we're, like, turning it up. <laughs> New levels. Okay. Um, Commission Club. <laughs> there are lots of trips happening this year, so the Commission Club supports the missions that we do to mission trips that we do from here at VCF, but also to missionaries that are also out in the field. And we want to support missions all on the continent, every single continent. So Pastor Doug is going to India at the end of August into September. So that's coming up soon. <laughs> And you can be a monthly partner, do one-time donations. Like I said, we are a very generous church, and we want to share the gospel with everybody. And Andrew Taylor is coming on Sunday, July 2nd, for
for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. And he is a missionary over in the Australia Pacific area. So we're already accomplishing goals. Okay, so I learned about electricity. (laughs) Um, I was on a walk, and I could hear the power lines, and I was wondering if that's a good thing or not. (laughs) Because I was walking underneath, and you can just hear this really loud buzz from, like, the large power lines. And so I was wondering, I was like, should I be able to hear electricity? So what you're hearing, it depends on the type. But there are two things that you're hearing. One, there's like steel conductors and wires inside, like magnets to help the electricity flow, and they vibrate. And so you're hearing the vibration of those things going back and forth. And the faster they go, the louder it gets. So that's one thing that you hear. But with the power lines that I heard, the reason those were buzzing is because of the moisture in the air of what is surrounding the power lines. Because power lines are always conducting electricity, and, like, the air around it is, like, you know, conducting it a little bit. But when the moisture is in the air around it, it starts buzzing really, really loud. Okay, so (laughs) I was thinking how much this is like the church, okay? Like, each of us, we are, like, power lines, right? Iron sharpens iron. We got magnets inside of us. We are buzzing. When you plant and you water the word around you in your community, the buzz gets louder and louder and louder. So I encourage everybody to share the word at BCF, but also in your communities. Woo! Okay, I'm all done now. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to flow, amen? Joy is constantly flowing through this place. So just let it flow. Hallelujah. Well, we are glad that you're here this morning. And if you're visiting with us, we just want to say welcome to you. So good to have you here. Hallelujah. Just want to... uh, Share something with you. Um, glory to God. I want you to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And for those of you, um, you know, the, our opening uh, that we do, you can see the, the person behind the voice. It's good to have Gabriel and Sean here. <laughs> yeah, they they just graduated from Rama. Do you or uh, Sean or Gabriel want to say anything? to be back, back to Pennsylvania, but yeah, like they were saying, me and Gabe, we ob- you guys obviously sent us out to Rama two years ago, it's crazy to think that two years have gone by, but we went out, we came back, we've graduated, Rama is so much more than just a Bible college to teach you all the spiritual things about who you are, your spirit and all that, they do really great with that, and you can learn a lot, but I knew some of that here, and that just built on my foundation, but then just going to the school, going out, moving out by yourself, all those experiences of 
growing socially, physically, mentally, and then also spiritually in and out of school and being around all those people experiencing the same thing. It was just a really great experience, and I'm going back for another year, two years down, one more year to go. Woo! Um, yeah, it's sort of exactly how Sean said it. You know, it's been a <laughs> um, it's it's been an awesome two years. You know, uh, I've learned a lot, I've grown a lot. Um, I I graduated, and I'm staying there. I will not be doing a third year, but I'm staying there on staff um, and. We're actually launching a new third-year program, and I'm going to help teach that for video production. So, yeah, that's sort of the stuff. Yep. Awesome. And, you know, um, if you have a desire to go to Rama, they also partner with uh, six or seven different universities, and uh, they give significant uh, credit for Rama, and so uh, both Gabriel and Sean are also doing a, a business degree at a college, and uh, they'll be finished with that within the next uh, five, six months, something like that. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, and uh, verse 24, it says this, there is that scatters. We got some scatterers in here. And yet increases. Isn't that interesting? You can scatter and yet increase. Amen? How does a farmer increase? What does he do? He scatters seed. And he puts it in the ground. And he waters it. And it grows. And he reaps a harvest. Okay? And there is that withholds more than is meat, or more than is justly due, but it tends to poverty. So if you don't want to scatter, then prepare for poverty. Amen? There's two groups of people in the kingdom of God, scatterers and withholders. Scatterers increase, and withholders decrease. Then he says in verse 25, he said, The liberal soul shall be made fat, or the other translations say the generous soul, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. Say, I'm a scatterer, and I'm a waterer, and I have plenty. Hallelujah. Here at VCF, we don't uh, pass a container, but you can give any time during the service. We have a wooden container here by our bookstore, and as you come in, uh, they have envelopes there. If you make a check, you can make it out to VCF, and you can give any time. Everybody say any time. Any time during the service. And uh, that just gives you the freedom. And uh, if you're watching online, you can give through our website. So, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise as I pronounce the blessing on your people. Lord, you cause your face to shine upon them. You're gracious to them, Lord. You bless them and you give them peace. And I thank you, Lord, that you increase their seed sown and you multiply it. And you give them grace to have all sufficiency in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And before we dismiss the kids, just want to share something uh, funny with you. Let me find it here. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
there was a, uh, in a Sunday school class, they asked uh, the children if they could uh, quote the 23rd Psalm. And so there was this uh, little girl who had a look of excitement on her face, and uh, she came to the front of the room, she faced the class, and she made a, a little bow and said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I need to know. And she went and sat down. That's probably the greatest interpretation of Psalm 23. <laughs> Amen. And then uh, there was a little boy named Johnny. And uh, after church, Johnny told his parents that he, he has to go and talk with the minister right away. And uh, they agreed, and the pastor uh, greeted the family. And uh, Johnny said, Pastor, I heard that you, you, I heard you say today that our bodies came from dust. That's right, Johnny, I did, he says. And then I heard you say that when we die, our bodies go back to dust. Yes, I'm glad that you were listening, said the pastor. Why do you ask? Well, you better come over to our house right away and look under my bed because there's someone coming or going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we have our kids' life, which is kids living in faith every day, and we're so grateful for our teachers and our kids, and we want to dismiss you at this time, and we like to cheer for our kids as they go to their class to let them know that uh, church is exciting. So kids, have a great class. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then um, I want to share with you just for a brief moment the word reach. Everybody say reach. You know, everything that we need is within our reach. And uh, I have an acronym for the word reach. R is we want to release God's love into our community. E we want to encourage everyone everywhere with the gospel. A, we want to announce glad, announce glad tidings and activate God's power. C, we want to call those to come to the truth and to church. And then H, we want to help people discover Jesus. How many of you can reach? Amen. So the word reach, release God's love, encourage everyone everywhere with the gospel, announce glad tidings and activate God's power, call those to come to the truth and to church, and help people discover Jesus. Amen? That's something that we can do as our part in the gospel. Amen. Well, you ready for the word this morning? The Lord uh, put something on my heart and... Uh, we're going to talk about out with the old and in with the new. Everybody say, out with the old and in with the new. You know, our God is a creator. And as a creative person, 
He likes to do originals. You know, God is an originator, not a copy maker. Amen? And although Jesus held the, he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he did make copies for us, but every one of you are an original design. And as a creator, God likes to do something new. Are you ready for something new today? Something that you've never seen. Something that you've never experienced. Something that you've never heard. I'm not talking about a new revelation, but I'm talking about a new thing that comes from God. Amen? There was a time when when Peter didn't know that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. But in a moment, it was revealed to him when Jesus asked, who do the people say that I am or who do you say that I am? And it was revealed to him in a moment, God downloaded that information right on the spot. And that was new information. Because even Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. I want you to go to the book of Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. And I want you to look at verse 9. Isaiah 42 and verse 9. And I would encourage you to look with us, know where you can find it in the Word. Whether you use a device or a book, it doesn't matter. But we always... We ought to be skillful in the word. Amen? The Bible's not going to help you unless you're skillful in the word. Can you imagine a soldier giving a sword and he says, how do you use this thing? (laughs) Right? No, as a soldier, they train on how to use their weapons. Right? And we as God's people, we need to be trained in the weaponry. Our weaponry is different than the world. Okay, Isaiah 42 verse 9. Behold... The former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. Before God does something in the earth, he's going to make an announcement of it. He's going to get someone, uh, he's going to let the prophetic voice uh, flow, and, and he's going to announce it. Verse 10, and then he says, sing unto the Lord, what kind of a song? New song. You know, yeah, the oldies are the goodies, but sometimes God wants to sing a new song. What's a new song? He said, and praise from the end of the earth. God's new song is praise to him. Amen. And you shall go down to the sea and all that is therein and the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Say, God's doing a new thing. And I'm going to get to receive something new. Hallelujah. He's ready to do a new thing. Amen. Thing that we haven't seen or heard. Go to the next chapter, Isaiah 43 and verse 19. Isaiah 43 and verse 19. It says, behold, that means to look. I will do a new thing when? Now it will spring forth. You shall not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. You know, when when God delivered his people out of Egypt and they were making their way through the wilderness and they encountered the Red Sea. And uh, how many know that was a new thing? You know, how are you going to get across the Red Sea? They didn't have a boat. They didn't have a bridge. And it was too far to swim. So what did God do? He did a new thing on the spot. He opened up a door that was hidden 
hidden behind that door was a passageway. And his people walked on dry ground, never before seen, never before done. Amen? That's the kind of God we serve. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, just like we have instant pudding and instant rice, God has instant creation. Amen? The moment he speaks, creation occurs. When God said, light be, the light didn't say, can I get back with you? The light didn't say, I'm not ready. Because God spoke it, it doesn't matter. You're ready. Right? And we have to be ready when God speaks in a moment. And he might tell you to do something that you've never done. But because he, he, he spoke it, his word has the power for you to do it. Right? Look at Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48 and verse 6. Hallelujah. You have heard, see all this, and will you, will not you declare it? I have showed you new things from this time, even hidden things, that, and you did not know them. They are created when? Right now. Everybody say now. That's faith talk. They are created now and not from the beginning. Even before the day when you heard them uh, not, uh, lest you should say, behold, I knew them. So God creates things now. It's an instant creation. All right? They're created now. And uh, to appreciate and embrace and appropriate new things, you have to be in faith. Because faith is now. Faith is always in the present. Faith is not yesterday. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is now. Say, faith is now. You need a change in your life? It occurs right now. You need healing in your body? It occurs right now. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him right now. It doesn't take a great deal to get into the now. I want to be in the now. Because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to appreciate, appropriate, and... uh, to embrace the new thing that God wants to do at any given moment, at any given time. We have to be filled, fixed, and focused on the Word of God. Filled, fixed, and focused on the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is greater than today's headline. Because when God wrote the word, it was the cutting edge. It was the cutting edge. It is the cutting edge. And it will always be the cutting edge. Because his word is alive. His word is life, is spirit and life. So in order to operate in the now, we have to be fixed, focused, and filled with the word of God. Hearing the word on Sunday or Wednesday is not enough. You've got to make it a daily duty. Everybody say daily. daily. You know, the Bible is food for your soul. I mean, if you eat three times a day physically, you ought to at least eat three times a day spiritually. Amen? The only way to operate in the Word is for you to get in it so it gets in you. 
And, and, and it has to get in you. It has to get in your heart. When we're in the now, you know that you're in harmony and you know God's voice. You know, in order for you to operate now, you got to know God's voice. You got to know, you got to be able to distinguish his voice from other voices. Amen? Because, you know, God, he is very fluid. He is, he is always moving. He is always doing. He is always operating. And as we walk with God, you know, maybe you're going somewhere and you're not, you, you might need to just shift or you might need to make a quick turn. And you've got to hear God's voice in order to be able to do that. Right? <clears throat> so, we have to know God's voice, voice, character, and nature to receive and implement what he says at any given moment in time. Hallelujah. And uh, God's word gives us life. Go to Isaiah 58. Now when you have, when, when you are made new, you have a new glow. You have a new glow. Look at your neighbor and say, my, you're glowing today. Yes, I've been basking in the sun. You know, when you bask in the S-O-N, you don't get a burn. Now, when I sit on the beach, I get a burn. (laughs) Hallelujah. Say, with a new life comes a new glow. Look at Isaiah 58 and verse 8. The first part of this chapter, he's talking about fasting. But notice verse 8. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. Hallelujah. We, we need some light to break forth. Glory to God. Light has a way of breaking through barriers, right? And your health shall spring forth speedily. Oh, if you need healing, say, my health is springing forth speedily. You remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? He had a guy on his show, Speedy Delivery, Speedy Delivery, right? He was always moving fast or walking fast, and he would deliver the, he was the mailman of that neighborhood. And he's always, he'd always come, Speedy Delivery, Speedy Delivery. Your health will break forth speedily. Get your foot on the accelerator. God's into speed. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay? And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. And that word reward is your rear guard. Did you know that when God delivered his people out of Israel, that the glory of the Lord was their guard, the fire by day, the cloud by night, and it stood in between the Egyptians and the Israelites. The glory of God guarded his people. And he said his glory will be your guard. How many want to be guarded by glory? Hallelujah. You can be guarded by glory. Did you know the enemy can't penetrate glory? He can't stop glory. You know, glory is a strong force. When it filled the temple, the priest couldn't enter. Right? The Bible says they couldn't enter. Why? Because the glory was present. 
Say, the glory of God is my rear guard. Now, and see, God's shield is something that encompasses you. All right? Verse 9, you shall call on the Lord, and he shall answer. Isn't that awesome? And you shall cry, and he shall say, here I am. If you take away from, uh, the, from the midst of you the yoke and putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. All right? So there's a new glow that God puts on you. Verse 10, and if you draw out your soul into the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity. Oh, hallelujah. You're like a shining star. And the darkness be as the noonday. Isn't that a change? Darkness going to the noonday. Right? Depression is darkness. Lack is darkness. Sickness is darkness. Wandering with no purpose is darkness. But darkness can change in a moment. It can become the noonday. Why? Because there's a glow with the new life. God knows how to flick your bick. Right? Those bick lighters made it real easy. And that was a popular saying. All right? Verse 11. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. And make fat your bones, and you shall be like a well, like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. See, when you have a glow about you, there's provision, there's protection, hallelujah, there's peace about you in the name of Jesus. So, the new life makes you glow. Glory to God. See, a new life in Christ is a joyful life. It's a bright, shining life. And the, the Lord is your light. You know, the Lord has unlimited power. He, he is never going to experience a shortage or an interruption of his power. You know, the Lord never needs to be recharged. We do. How do we get recharged? We get with the Lord and we get charged up, right? But the Lord himself never needs to be recharged. So we have an unlimited source of power available to us every day. It was available to you this morning when you woke up. It was available to you yesterday when you went to sleep. It's available to you and you can access God's power anytime, anyplace, anywhere you are. Hallelujah. All right? Glory to God. So, uh, go to Jeremiah chapter 31 with a new life. And we're going to talk about that new life in just a moment, what that means. But with a new life comes new principles of living. Jeremiah chapter 30, actually chapter 31 verse 30. Jeremiah 31 verse 30. When you know the person of Jesus, you go to heaven. When you apply the principles of Jesus on earth, you get the victory. 
Some people just want to know the person of Jesus, but they don't want to apply the principles of Jesus. And you'll get to heaven, but you'll live a defeated life. I don't want to get to heaven when I don't have anything, when I don't have a crown to give back to the Lord. I don't want to get to heaven when I didn't bring anybody with me. Amen? I want to bring some people to heaven. How many want to bring some people to heaven with you? I mean, you can't take gold or silver, so you, but you can take souls, right? Jeremiah 31, verse 30. It says, uh, verse 31, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, where I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah. Everybody say a new covenant. Didn't they already do this? A new testament, right? We got the old covenant and the new covenant. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. See, before, people did not have the Spirit of God in them. And if you wanted to hear from God, you had to go to the prophet or you had to go to the priest. Because it wasn't given to individuals or groups without that method, right? And so even Moses, when God gave him the law, he wrote it on stone tablets. And you know, Moses, he was in bad shape because Moses broke every commandment at the same time. Now, if you can imagine having to carry around stone tablets, that's cumbersome. That's hard. And they could only be in one place at one time. But God says, my new, my new covenant is not going to be that way. I'm going to write my principles upon your inward parts. I'm going to inscribe my word on your heart so that everybody, everywhere who believes in me can practice what I told them, can put into, uh, can implement what I've said. The new covenant involves God writing on the inside of us. He said, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words, what? Abide in you. You can ask whatever you will and it shall be done. We got to have some words abiding in us. Amen. When, as we meditate on the word of God, we read it, we ponder it, we think about it, we mutter it, we speak it. It gets into our hearts and it gets written into our soul. Hallelujah. And then when it's real in here, it's real out here. Amen? If you want it real out here, it's got to be real in here. Your healing of your body starts with you seeing yourself healed. It starts with you having a picture on the inside of you in perfect health. Amen? And if you need an image to help you get in perfect health, look to Jesus. He's the perfect image. Right? That's where our healing comes from. 
Amen? We look to Jesus. He's the perfect image. He is the image of strength, health, peace, joy, love, everything. And as we look to him, that, that image that we see of him gets formed on the inside of us. God's new covenant is, I'm going to write, I'm going to write you, I'm going to write my words on your heart. Ezekiel said, I've taken the heart of stone out of you and I've given you a heart of flesh. One that can be written on. One that can be formed, shaped, and fashioned. You know, if you want to sh- uh, form cement, you've got to use a chisel. Right? One person said, people are like cement. They're thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. <laughs> but that's not you. Amen? The question is, will you allow God's word to, will you allow God to write on your heart? Because when his word is written on your heart, you will know that you know that you know what you need to do, which way you need to go, everything, right? It's got to be written on the heart. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to write it on your head. See, every, every work that God does, he works inside out. He doesn't work outside in. He always starts with the seed that's buried and it becomes something different as it breaks through the ground. Amen? If you want to change your life, you can't just make changes on the outside. You've got to change on the inside. Amen? Okay? He said, I will write, verse 33, I will write, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know you're in covenant relationship with God when you got some things on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, write what you want to say on my heart. You know, when God writes in your heart, he's not going to ask you what you think about it. He's not going to ask you how you feel about it. Amen? You've got to let God's message be God's message in your life. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. Just let it be as God said it. All right? Hallelujah. So God puts his guiding principles within you. It's a new way to accomplish things. How many knew about how to live in God's kingdom before you got in God's kingdom? I didn't have a clue. When I got born again, I had no idea how to live in the kingdom. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why God established the church. That's why God gave us, he wrote down his word so that we can be established in the kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we got a new covenant. We got a new glow, right? God puts a new a song in our heart. When we wait upon God, we get new strength. How many could use some new strength today? Well, the Bible says when, in Isaiah forty thirty one, if you wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. That means make it new again. Hallelujah. Make it like it was before you lost it. it guess what? The strength of God has nothing to do with age. What made Samson strong? It wasn't, I mean, it was his due, right? But what made Samson strong? Spirit of God. 
made Samson strong. The Bible says the Spirit of God would come on Samson. And that's what enabled him to do the feats of strength. It was the Spirit of God. Amen? What makes us strong? Spirit of God. He's not limited to age. He's not limited to your physique. Hallelujah. The strength of God can come on a body and make it do something that it couldn't do before because that's what strength was designed to do. Let the weak say I'm what? That's a testimony. That's a fact written in the word. Okay? Hallelujah. And you know, in the Christian life, how often does God give you new mercy? Right? Lamentations. His mercies are new every morning. When you woke up this morning, God said, I got a fresh batch of mercy mercy for you. Amen? All right. Go to John 13, 34. John 13, 34. When you become a new person in Christ, you have a new way of dealing with people. And guess what? Everywhere you go, you're going to have to deal with people. John chapter 13 and 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. He said, a what commandment I give to you? A new commandment. Did you know that before Jesus issued this, people weren't used to loving each other? What was in the Old Testament? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You knock my tooth out, I'm going to knock your tooth out. Right? It was the law of recompense. You do this to me, I'm going to do that to you. But God, in his new covenant that's written in your heart, not on stone, he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as how? I have loved you that you also love one another. You can't love with the standard you used to live by. You've got to love with the standard of Christ. You've got to love people like Jesus loved people. When we get impatient with people, think about how the Lord was patient with you. When we get irritated with people, I mean, Jesus had his his share of irritation. He had disciples that were called sons of thunder. James and John. They were the ones that wanted to call fire on people. And Jesus said, you're of the wrong spirit. Right? Jesus had a disciple named Peter who denied knowing him three times. Jesus had a disciple named Thomas who doubted that he rose from the dead. Jesus had a disciple named Judas who was stealing money. Who was a devil from the beginning and he was a thief. But what did Jesus do? He loved them. Now love isn't a pushover. But the new commandment says to love people as he, as the Lord loves people. Say, it's time to raise the bar of love. 
Did you know that God's love is not based on feelings? The agape love doesn't say, oh, what a feeling. has nothing to do with feeling. You don't have to feel anything to love the way God loves people. Amen? This is a new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Boy, how can I tell if that person's a disciple? Do they have love for one another? You know, read what love does in 1 Corinthians 13. That's not my message today. All right? But I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4 now. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, we have to read the Old Testament in light of the New. Because the Old Testament is a 50 cent piece, but the New Testament is a dollar. It includes the 50 cents, but it has a whole lot more. Right? So, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. Everybody say, out with the old, in with the new. You have to embrace a new way of thinking. Boy, where do we get our mindsets? Right? They come from our experience. They come from our environment. They come from uh, what happens to us. Right? They come from false teaching sometimes. Have you ever found out that you believe something that wasn't true according to the word? Right? I have. I've changed my things a lot of times over the years. But Paul was given the revelation on how to live a new life in Christ. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Out with the old, in with the new. He says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Everybody says, get ready to change. Before we met Christ, we were Gentiles walking in the vanity or the futility of our mind. We, we went with how we felt, right? We, 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 uh, we probably were selfish maybe. I don't know. You could be a good person, but if you don't have God, you're still operating by the flesh. Everybody say, henceforth. That's a good King James word. Right? It means hereafter. When you meet Jesus, when Jesus comes into your life, when you accept him as Lord and Savior, a change takes place immediately. You become a new creature. And now you have a new feature. You have a new way of living, a new way of doing, a new way of speaking, and a new way of behaving. Am I right about it? Okay? Notice, well, let's go to 2 Corinthians for a minute. We're going to come back to Ephesians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a minute. And let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 
The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. He is a new creation, right? He doesn't say he's an old person with a new look. He doesn't say you've just gotten a makeover. He says you are what? A new creation. Hallelujah. God made us and God can remake us. Amen? You become a new creature. Does your hair change? No. Not when you meet Christ. I mean, you could go make a change. But when you become, when you meet Christ, the moment that Christ comes in your heart, you become an entirely new creation. You become something different than what you were. You become connected with God. You become alive in Christ. You become connected with your divine purpose. You now have open communication with Almighty God. Say, I'm a new creation. Okay? New creation, right? He, his, in other words, it's like being raised from the dead. When you become a new creation, it's like Christ raising from the dead. When Christ rose from the dead, he could just show up for dinner when the door was locked. He could just move in and out. I mean, he could just show up here. He, would, he could show up on the road to Emmaus. He could show up in the upper room. He could show up on the shore. He, he just, he, he had the ability to move swiftly. But he was a different creature. He was not flesh and blood. He was flesh and bone. Say, I'm a new creature. Say, I'm a new creation. Say, I'm entirely different than what I was. See, but here's the problem. God puts a new person on the inside, but you're still the old person on the outside. And sometimes that conflicts. Right? (laughs) Hallelujah. So, Jesus, he made one new man out of the Jew and the Gentile on the cross. He, He put the hostility away and he made one new man in Christ Jesus, okay? Now, um, the, the com- contemporary English version says, in verse 17, as a follower of the, uh, let's go back to Ephesians 4, all right? What? No, 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 no. Uh, okay, verse 18 of, of 2 Corinthians 5, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, and all things are of God. Say, I'm of God. See, when when God remade you, he used the pattern of Jesus to remake you. So you are made, shaped, fashioned, and formed after Jesus, not like the person you used to be. Not like the things you used to do. Not like the way you used to live. You are made after a new pattern. Hallelujah. A new image. You are created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, now let's go back to Ephesians 5. I mean Ephesians 4. Sorry. Okay. Ephesians 4, verse 17. He tells us to henceforth 
not to walk as other Gentiles walk. The contemporary English version says, as a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. (laughs) Stop living like stupid, godless people. When you meet Christ, it requires a different attitude. It requires different behavior. It requires different thoughts. It requires different actions. It requires different responses. And the moment you meet Christ, you are equipped and enabled to live like Christ. But now it's a process of learning. You've got to unlearn what you knew so that you can learn what you need to know. So that you can live like Jesus. Right? Okay? God's word translation says, So I tell you and encourage you in the Lord's name not to live any longer like other people in the world. Their minds are set on worthless things. The world is not your pattern. The world doesn't get to dictate what uh, a word means or what uh, or how we should live. Amen? The world can't define marriage. Why? It didn't create it. So therefore, the world doesn't have the right to say what marriage is. Only God has the right to say what marriage is. One man, one woman, together, nothing else. Right? Hallelujah. The Good News Translation says, in the Lord's name, then I warn you not to continue to live like the heathen whose thoughts are worthless. I want to be like Hollywood. Why? They're not even real. They're make-believe. Yeah, they make a lot of money. So what? If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what has he gained? Nothing. Okay? Let's go to verse 18. Ephesians 4, verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. This is B.C., before Christ. This is before a person knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay? A person who has never met Jesus has their understanding darkened, they're alienated from the life of God because of ignorance, and they have a blind heart. Okay? Glory to God. Um, the NIV says they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. You know, hardening of the hearts is a disease that can plague the body of Christ. Not the hardening of the arteries, the hardening of the heart. You know, a hard heart refuses to do what God said. When God says to do something, a hard heart will say, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I don't have to. That's what a hard heart would say. But a person with a soft heart will say, yes, Lord. Amen? Don't let your heart become hard. And if you keep letting God's word be written on your heart, your heart gets softer and softer and softer. And that you're willing, you become willing to do what God wants us to do. What does it mean 
to have our understanding darkened. It means that we're callous. We're insensitive to spiritual things. You know, the Word of God is very clear in everything. We don't have to wonder what God thinks because he said it more than once. He said it in more than one place. Right? And he's given us firm evidence of what he said because he said, let everything be based on two or, two or three uh, witnesses. Right? And every doctrine of God has been established with two or three or more witnesses. Amen? And uh, so to have a hard heart is to be calloused, insensitive to spiritual things, and you can't even, you can't even identify the beauty of, of spiritual things. It, it's like foreign to you. And because uh, you, you can't understand it. Now, remember, this is before Christ. Okay? We're going to get to the good part here in just a minute. All right? Our understanding becomes darkened when we indulge in sin. A good way to turn out the lights is to sin. Sin cuts you off from the power supply. Sin causes PPL to shut your lights off. Because when you sin, you can't pay the bill. Right? But what turns the light on? Repentance. When we sin, if we miss the mark, the Bible says we can confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment we repent, God turns the lights back on again and we are connected to God again. We are connected to the power source again. Amen? Sin separates you. Repentance uh, reconnects you. All right? Hallelujah. Okay? Verse 19, Ephesians 4, 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Now, I, I love that word. It's a really interesting word. To work all uncleanness with greediness. That just means excess, right? Excess, uh, hallelujah. It's unbridled sensuality. It's uh, craving and, and practicing every kind of impurity, Okay? Did you know that when, how many know that when you became a Christian, you had different desires, right? Things changed, right? When, when, Paul, when the apostle Paul met Jesus, he didn't have the urge to persecute Christians anymore, right? But that's what he was doing very heavily because he built up a reputation about that. He was persecuting Christians and, and the church was like, when he got born again, they were like, oh, I don't want Paul to come because he had this reputation, right? Because his nature before he got born again was to persecute people who believed in Jesus, and he thought he was doing God's will. But then he met the author and the finisher of his faith. He met Jesus, and he got, he got born again, right? For three days, he had scales on his eyes. And then uh, Ananias came, prayed for him, baptized him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. And from that moment on, Paul lived a different way. He spoke a different message. He did different things. He started planting churches. He started preaching the gospel, the opposite of what he lived before. Amen? When, when Jacob made a vow 
with God as he was on his own. No one else was around him. He was in the wilderness and he had an encounter. He saw heaven opened up and he saw angels ascending and descending. And he made a vow. He said, Lord, if you uh, feed me and clothe me and bring me back safely in peace, I will give you a tithe of all. Did he trick anymore? He stopped being the trickster that he was. He started being the Israel that he was meant to be. And he ended up getting tricked by his uncle Laban, but Jacob himself wasn't authoring tricking, right? What changed? He had an encounter with God. His nature was changed, and he did things differently. He even told Laban at the end of his 20 years, he said, uh, Laban, he said, I took care of your stuff. He said, if you suffered a loss, I didn't put it on you. I took the loss, right? He said, if, if, if a sheep, if, if an animal came and destroyed a, a sheep or anything, I took the loss. I didn't give you the loss. See, the old Jacob would have said, I'll show Laban, right? But because of his encounter with God, he started thinking differently. He started living differently. He started acting differently. His life was changed. Amen? All right. Verse 20. Here's where the change starts to take place. You have not so learned Christ. Christ did not save you. He did not shed his blood on the cross. He did not carry your sin and nail it there just so that you can live like you used to live. He came to give you an entirely new life. That's based on his promises. Amen? You say, I haven't learned Christ that way. Anybody who has come to Christ, Christ expects you to change. If you were religious before Christ, he doesn't expect you to be religious anymore because Christ isn't religious. If you were stingy before you met Christ, he doesn't expect you to be stingy anymore. He expects you to be generous. If you weren't attentive before Christ, he expects you to pay attention to what he says now that you're in Christ. Amen? If you were a bad student before Christ, he expects you to be a good student in Christ. Amen? Am I speaking truth today? Am I telling you the Bible? See, the problem is people get a new life, but they still want to live it the old way. They want to rely on themselves or on the natural or on their own strength or on their own capability to do what God says, but it can't be done through our own works. It's got to be done in relationship with God. So Christ came to give a new doctrine, right? Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him. How many has heard him? All right. Okay. And have been taught by him. Guess what? God wants you to be taught. That's why he instituted the church. The church is the teaching arm of the kingdom of God. And thank God for the church. Especially thank God for the church that teaches the word and uh, appreciates and yields to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you, have, 
if so be that you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, put off the old and get ready for the new, which is corrupt according to this deceitful lust. In, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was going to Jericho. And on the way to Jericho, there was a man who was blind named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was sitting by a heavily traveled road where he could beg for his living because that was the only way that he could earn income was to beg, right? And in that day, beggars were identified by what they wore. They would wear a certain garment that identified, okay, you have the approval to beg in this location, okay? And there was an entourage of people coming by. And Bartimaeus heard the name Jesus. His ears, he couldn't see, but he could hear. What comes by hearing God's word? Faith came to Bartimaeus. As the Bible says, he heard of Jesus. That's all he needed to hear. Because the moment he heard the word, which is Jesus, Jesus is the word, right? What did he do? He began to act on what he heard. He got into the now because God was about to do a new thing in Bartimaeus's life. He was a blind beggar for I don't know how many years. Maybe he was born that way. I don't know how many years he sat and begged. I don't know how many years he couldn't see. I don't know how many years he was blind, but his moment was about to change in just a moment. And as Jesus came by, the people were talking about Jesus. The people were talking about what Jesus had done, how he healed this person, how he did that person, how he fed the thousands. And Bartimaeus, man, he got excited. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, those who were religious, they told Bartimaeus, shh. They weren't ushers, they were hushers. See, religion wants to keep you bound. Religion wants to keep you down. But Jesus wants to set you free. But it requires your participation. If Bartimaeus would have listened to religion, he would have shut up. But thank God he didn't listen to religion. He got louder. You know when the devil gets loud, you get louder. Say, when the devil gets loud, you get louder. When, you're, when your sickness is talking louder than healing, you need to change the narrative. When your poverty is talking more than prosperity, you need to change the narrative. When your pain is talking greater than relief, you need to change the narrative. Bartimaeus changed the narrative. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the people that told him to be quiet... They said, oh, the master wants to see you. You know, God, God has a way of turning the tables on the enemy. Right? Bartimaeus, all he could do was cry out. Think about it. That was all he could do in that moment. That was his only response. He wasn't going to let his miracle pass him by. He heard miracle talk, and he, wasn't gonna, he said, the miracle is going to make a stop right here. And guess what? He called in the miracle. 
If he hadn't, if he hadn't lifted his voice, if he hadn't said what he said, he would, he would have been passed by. Amen? Some of you, some people don't do anything, they don't say anything, but they expect God to meet them where they are. No, it doesn't work that way. Faith acts. Faith responds. Faith speaks. Faith does what it can do. If it's only crying out. But here's what Bartimaeus did. They said, the master calls you. And you know what he did? He took that old cloak. He took that beggar's identity. He took it off of him. And he threw it aside. He said, I'm about ready to become a new man. I'm about ready to get a new identity. I'm about ready to enter into a new profession. He took off the old. Because that's the only way to get ready for the new. You've got to remove the old. So that you can make room for the new. The new is better. He took off that old garment. And he got before Jesus. Oh. And he stood before Jesus and he said, what do you want me to do for you? One of my friends gave me this insight. Name your miracle. Everybody say, name your miracle. Oh, I couldn't do that. Why? Why can't you tell God what you want? He was tired of being blind. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be blind anymore. I want to see. He, he was very clear in what he wanted. Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Right? And Jesus said, be it according to you as you have believed. No longer was he known as blind Bartimaeus. Now he was seeing Bartimaeus. He had a new encounter. He had a new thing that, ha- that hadn't been done in his life before. And the, the only thing that changed in his life was the information that he had. And it's so simple. Did you know when Mary Magdalene had seven devils? cast out of her, she did not stop following Jesus. She supported him. She was at the tomb. She was the, or she was at the cross. She was the first one at the tomb. She was the first one to tell the disciples that he had risen. Once the devils and the possession and the torment left her life, she dedicated the rest of her life to follow Jesus. Wherever he went, she was there. She was in the upper room. She was probably there. I don't, know, I don't know at what point in his ministry that she got delivered. But once she got delivered, she didn't go back to her own life. She wasn't even tempted to go back. Hallelujah. She was moving forward. She totally lived a different life than the life she lived before. Amen? Hallelujah. This is what Jesus is teaching us. The truth is in Jesus. Say the truth is in Jesus. Okay. So, you got to put off the old so that you can receive the new. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, your mind is the control center of your life. What you think will result. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How you think about yourself. How you think about this. How you think about that. Man, I realize I got some things I got to change in my thinking. Amen? But aren't you? I'm glad I can change now. Say, today's my day of change. Oh, shout about that. Today's my day of change. Shout about it. Get excited about it. 
We're not going to let our miracle pass us by today. I don't care what miracle you need. Nothing's too hard for God. Amen? Hallelujah. God will never tell you to take off something without replacing it with something different. Okay? He tells us, take off the new man, right? Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Say, I'm righteous and I'm truly holy. Because you have been created in Christ. True, you are as righteous as, say, I'm as righteous as Jesus is. Say, I'm as holy as Jesus is. It's true. Some of you are wondering about that statement. Say it again. Say, I'm as righteous as Jesus is. I'm as holy as Jesus is. I'm as wise as Jesus is. Why? Everything that we have in God comes through Christ. Christ is the intersection of every blessing. Just like the turnpike, you've got to go through the turnpike terminal. You can't travel on unless you go through the terminal. Right? Jesus is the terminal of your blessing, of God's goodness, of his grace, of his power. Everything that comes to us from God comes through Jesus Christ. He is the connection point. He is who we have our faith in. Amen? Our faith comes from him, and we have faith in him. Say, I'm putting on the new man. As easy as it is to take off one piece of garment and put on another, that's as how easy it is to change in God. You don't have to go through a seminar on how to change. You could change right now. By deciding, I'm going to be different from this moment forward. Amen? Okay. Put on the new self, which is created in God's image. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. If you have your faith and trust in Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Hallelujah. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your mistakes. He sees Jesus. Amen? And from this moment on, we have to be walking strong with Jesus. Isn't it interesting? You get alive in the spirit, but you've got to die to flesh. <laughs> Paul said, I die daily. Why do we go to church? Because it's the good social thing to do? Because my grandparents went? No. I go to church because God's word tells me I need to go to church. I don't have to feel like going to church. I do it because I'm obeying what he said. Amen? Because Jesus put his church in the word. I mean, if you're the head of the church... And if you bought the church with your blood, I would think you think it's pretty important. How many of you bought something with your blood? I bet if you bought something with your blood, you think it's really important. Amen? Jesus bought the church. We are the blood-bought church. We've been blood-bought. We've been purchased. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
And he's, listen, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, not a wimpy church, not a church on ventilation. He's coming back for a glorious church. People who are walking in the glory of God, who are connected to God, who are walking in the power, who are walking in the principles, who are going to implement what he said no matter what. I want to do what God says. I don't care about what anybody else thinks about it. I'm going to do what God says to the best of my ability. And I have failed at times, but I'm going to get back up. Every time I fall, I'm going to keep getting back up. I'm going to keep going forward. Amen. I'm not going to quit in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of attitude that the blood-bought church needs to have. Why? Because we're, we're, we put on the new man. And boy, he or she looks fine. Now, if you're a he, you're a he, and the she is she. What you were created to be, you are. And if you try to change it, you're missing the mark. Okay? Verse 25. We're almost done. Wherefore, put away lying. You have got to disconnect yourself with every form and type of lie. Because the devil, the Bible says, is the father of lies. If you are connected to a lie in any way, shape, or form, you are connected to the devil. Put away lying. Lying stinks to God. Speak every man with his neighbor the truth. So, see, God will never tell you to get rid of something until he replaces something with something good, right? God replaced Canaan with Egypt. They came out of bondage and they entered into a land flowing with milk and honey. Every time God tells you to get rid of something, he always has something better to replace it. Huh? Oh, Egypt, yeah. He replaced Egypt with Canaan, not Canaan with Egypt. Thank you. You know, sometimes I just get too excited and. Okay? Verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. How can you be angry and sin not? Don't let your anger control you. And be quick to repent. Did you know that Jesus got angry? He got angry when they were misusing the temple. And the Bible says he cracked a whip and pushed over tables. He wasn't, he wasn't going, oh. No, that was out of anger. But it was a righteous anger. Oh, Jesus tipped over tables. Yeah, he'll step on toes too. <laughs> okay. Verse 27, this is a good one. Neither give place to the devil. You know, the devil can only operate in your life as you, if you give him place. If you allow the devil to influence you, you know, he can't make you do anything. He can only give you a thought or an idea or a suggestion, right? But we're, we're not supposed to give him place. So we have to recognize when the devil's trying to talk. I'm sorry, what did you say? I couldn't hear you, right? I couldn't hear you. You were, you were muffled by my soul. 
No, we don't want to listen to him. Give no place to the devil. Someone explained that to me this way. I grew up in Illinois in an older home. We had beautiful oak uh, trim that was about an, an inch or two inches wide. I could hang off of it. And we had a hallway that was wood, and I could run from the hallway into the living room and slide on my socks. I did that often. But the door to my room opened from the inside. And sometimes, I'm the youngest, I have two sisters. And sometimes I gave my sisters a hard time. And they would chase me. And I would try to go into my room. But here's the thing. If they just stuck their foot in the doorway, I couldn't close the door. No matter how hard I pushed trying to close that door, if their foot is in the doorway, that door's not going to get shut. And guess what? Eventually, I get wore out. And the devil has entrance because you gave him a place. He was able to hold the door open until you wear out. And then he just walks right in. Give no place to the devil. I mean, shut the door. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Shut the door. All right, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. He's not talking about the devil. The word for steal here is klepto. It's, it means I steal. If, if you were used to being dishonest, you're stealing. If you were used to fudging on your taxes, you're stealing. If you were used to taking pencils and pens from your workplace, you're stealing. Amen? Let him who stole, he's not talking about the devil here. Now, when, when in John 10.10, 10, when he says the thief cometh not, it's it's. Kleptis, it's different than, than klepto. Klepto, that means a kleptomaniac. I can't help myself. It just stuck to my fingers. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give something to him that needs. God doesn't want you to work for a living. He wants you to work for a giving. Work to labor that you may have something to give. Isn't that what it said? He didn't say work to labor so you take care of yourself. Trust God for your living and work for a giving. Say, say that with me. Say, trust God for a living. Work for a giving. Even if you're on a fixed income, you can put seed in the kingdom and that seed will multiply. So that your, your, your income will be unfixed. It'll be free. You, you take your income to the mechanic. Looks like you got some restraints on that income. Let's fix it so it's unrestrained. Yeah. Amen? Your bolts are too tight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay? Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What's corrupted communication? Any, any communication that's tainted by the world. Corrupt communication is anything that disagrees with God's word. Anything that's considered unholy or impure is corrupt communication. Don't let it come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How do you not grieve him? Do what he says. 
Work with him. Amen? Whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Why? They're the old man. Take it off. And then verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Someone say amen. How do we live the new life? How do we put off the old, put on the new? We apply the principles of God and we begin to change our life. Amen. Today's a day of change. If you, if you have sickness today, you can be changed into healing today. If you have weakness today, it can be changed into strength today. Amen. If you don't know Jesus today, you can know him today. Amen. Today's a day of change. There's a new, the word new means fresh. Freshly made. How many like fresh made things? Amen. I I made some guacamole the other day. And when it was fresh, it was good. But two days later, ooh, it wasn't so good. When it's fresh, it's green. When it's not good, it's brown. God wants to make something freshly made today. He is the creator. He can create in you a clean heart. He can create in you a strong body. He can create in you a new mind. Amen? I know that some of you came here with needs today. We would love the opportunity to pray with you and for God to meet that need today in the name of Jesus. If you have a need in your life, I don't care if it's physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, doesn't matter. God's the meter of needs. He'll meet your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if you have a need today, I want to invite you to come up right now and receive from God. Amen? And enter into the now realm. When you come up here today, 